for the first 30 minutes as we talk about the future of brands. So brands as we know them now and brands as they, what they need to do in terms of existing um, for the future over the next 30 minutes. You can join in on the discussion by calling into 0891-104207. My name is Ashraf Garanda. You can follow me on Twitter by that name and you can tweet and you can SMS to 34701. Now, of course, the reason we're talking about it is the, the top brands awards and conference that took place on Friday. We'll talk about the awards in the second half of the show. But let's get to the brands as they are. So I'm going to start, in fact, with, with Andy Rice. He's made some points regarding the, the future of brands. Andy, just an opening line, maybe two, three important issues we need to talk about here. Well, I think the basics still apply. You need to be differentiated. You need to be relevant to your audience. And ideally, you need to build your brand on some kind of genuine insight about human response and human behavior. So those things don't change. What does change is the landscape within which you're communicating your brand's at, uh, attributes in those areas. So obviously the, um, the online platforms and the social media have changed the, the, the method by which the brand message gets to the, to the consumer, but uh, the, the messages themselves should remain largely constant because they're based on something that is, not, that is much more um, ongoing and much, much less volatile, namely human truths. Okay, that's, that's your opening thought, Sibu. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, the, I hear what Andy is saying, but also you, you're talking about brands are created over a period of time. Mm, mm. Uh, and because of that, the, the, there are elements of brands that remain uh, the same throughout that period. Uh, when we talk about brands like Coke, Coke has, has certain fundamentals that have always been and will always be, uh, and therefore um, are the anchor of the brand. Uh, everything else around it may change, uh, and obviously it means that you need to, to train the marketers uh, to make sure that they move with the times, uh, so that the brand remains true within the, the various complex uh, so, situations. So, so like it or not, brands need to have a future. The question is what sort of future, isn't it? Uh, Jeremy Sampson from, from Interbrand Sampson, the is your opening line. Basically, that um, the top 100 brands by value, according to Interbrand, are over 80 years old. Um, Coca-Cola is 128. So these brands have a momentum. They've, uh, no, to your earlier tweet, they've survived through wars and turmoil. They've kept on going. But um, after the basics, as Andy and Spear are saying, you've got to embrace the future. Everyone's talking digital at the moment, and mm. you've got to embrace that. But it doesn't apply in all cases. Some people aren't uh, linked up to digital. So this is where the, the chief marketing officer has got to embrace all the current things, all the future things that stay relevant to their customers. Well, that's important because if we're saying that uh, digital, uh, let's call it for want of a better word, new language. That's not the solution only, isn't it? That there's a whole lot more that brands need to do to still do the thing that they've been doing all the time, which is a good product and to differentiate themselves from others. And I think the real challenge, uh, Ashraf, is visibility because if you look at the, at the volume of messages that we are either voluntarily or involuntarily mm. being bombarded with, to stand out amongst that, that barrage is, is a real problem. And if you look at the at the um, digital networks, um, largely based in the US, but obviously not having a completely geographically discrete audience. Uh, brands like Maker and Vice and, and BuzzFeed, I mean, these are not familiar names to us, but they have audiences um, globally in the um, tens of, uh, in the uh, half a billion views a month, 
What are your thoughts then? If, if we're saying that, I mean, brands have to, they have to build for the future no matter what the situation may be. And we've spoken about digital and, and other challenges. So if you had to advise a brand who came to you today and said, look, what do I need to do? I want, I want to grow this brand and ensure that it survives and sustains itself over the next 20, 30 years. What would you tell them now that may be different to what you may have told them, you know, 10 years ago? Uh, yeah, I think first of all is the fundamentals. Uh, brands have got to know what their fundamentals are and what they anchored on. Uh, and secondly is understanding that there are certain things that shift around them. And most of those the shifts are, are platforms on which brands operate or, or play or communicate. Uh, and quite often what, what um, marketers do, they look at the platforms and they think the platforms are the brands as opposed to those are the vehicles. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. like a... a, a yeah. A chain on which a uh, product is sitting and it, it passes through 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 consumers. You've got to make sure that if the thing is moving at 100 kilometers an hour, your communication is moving at 100 kilometers an hour, but it doesn't change the communication itself. That's interesting. You agree? Yes, I, I do. Because you know, one of the things we've talked about for years on this program is word of mouth. Mm. Word of mouth used to be, say, you and I chatting. Now it's changed dramatically uh, using you know, Twitter, using Facebook, using all these things. But as Sabu's saying, you've got to make sure that the brand is true to itself. It's authentic. It has a certain DNA. It doesn't matter what channel to market or whatever you're using, that brand has to be the same. It's like you and I as people. We don't want to be schizophrenic, otherwise we, we, we lose our audiences. You've got to be constant and focused. And that, to me, is one of the challenges. As life changes, we're talking digital and social mm, now, mm, mm. in five years' time, I'm sure the landscape would have changed dramatically yet again. And we've got to stay relevant all the time. So, so the challenge then, you, you made the point about Coca-Cola, in fact, both of you did, right? And we talked to, we talk about Coke in the second half of the program anyway, in terms of them again, once again, standing out in the, in the uh, Sunday Times Top Brands Awards, right? Having said that, so, so for, for a new brand, you know, entering the market, they've got the money, but, but can they break through? Keeping in mind what you've just said, that the top 80 of the top 100 are, in fact, established for, for generations. I'm trying to remember a very famous quote from the old man in uh, America, Mr. Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of, I think he's 82, 83 now. Someone said, if we gave you the money that's the value of Coca-Cola, would you start it all over again? And he said, no, because Coca-Cola is existing, it's there and entrenched. And no matter how much money you gave me, I couldn't achieve that. So in other words, once you have built a strong brand mm. and got that momentum and hold that together, that has the equity, that has the position in people's minds. So um, the question then, what is the hope for the future, Andy Rice? Well, I, I think it, it... In terms of others, of course. It yeah. reminds us that there are, there are certain things that endure and certain things that, that, that are new. While, there are, while the majority of brands have an enormously strong and, and lengthy history to them, there are a lot of brands that, that weren't around 10 years ago that are very much part of our yeah. today's landscape, yeah. particularly the technology brands. Now we, they, we mentioned Google before we got exactly. into it. I mean, a, a life pre-Google and, and uh, iPods and uh, similar devices is, is, is almost unthinkable. But the reality is that they came into a market with a differentiated proposition. 
So just to have the money um, is not enough. It's astonishing how many uh, short-sighted marketers still look at the market leader and say, well, if they got there doing that, then we can if we do the same mm. thing. And the market doesn't require another one. It's got the market leader already. So the real challenge is, is, is differentiation and visibility and relevance. If you, if you could tick those three boxes for a brand new brand, uh, you'd be off to a flying start. But, but, but can we therefore say, Sibyl, uh, and you can answer this, Sibyl Magnuelli, the executive director of Switch Design, that in the light of, of these social media platforms we have, it's actually easier now for a, for a new brand or a challenger brand to, to break that ceiling, or is it still more difficult? I think it's both. Uh, I think um, th there's a part that says y once you get in, uh, you've got to make sure that you're doing everything right because consumers have the ability to respond immediately. But not only that, they have the, the ability to share the information amongst themselves. So whether you call it uh, crowdsourcing or whatever mm -hmm. the case is, mm -hmm. the guys can get together and, and rally either behind or against the brand because the, uh, whether it's Twitter, whether it's, it's Facebook, uh, whatever social media platform there is, there is an ability for them to do that. Uh, so, so, so you've got to make sure that, that, that whatever you put out there, you've thought about. Uh, and yes, there is a conversation around, so do I get in as quickly as I can or do I wait until I'm ready? Mm -hmm. uh, there is a fine balance between the two. You, you want to add to that, Jeremy? Well, yes, I think if you look at the example a couple of years ago of Woolworths, how uh, I think Woolworths is a very favoured brand and a lot of people's got mm. a warm space, but they made some mistakes. And, and one of those was Frankie's, where uh, they took, you know, not just hours, they took days to respond. Uh, and it's back to the point Sabu's making. You've got to respond, but you've got to get it right. Now, even if you make a holding statement or do something, but not to respond, to have silence. So there's a lack of care and a lack of understanding. Mm. The world has moved on. People want an instant response today. Uh, and people who don't supply it can erode all that hard-earned positive equity. Okay, that, that's very interesting. And I, I, I want to move on to other things. But I think the point that you made, just with Woolworths, I want to stay with that. There's this whole BDS anti-Woolworths campaign, which is not something I'm going to discuss the current affairs of the Israel-Palestinian issue. Accepting they've, they've uh, picked on Woolworths specifically purely because instead of all the different companies Woolworths have said they're an ethical brand and they've therefore said well if you're so ethical then why would you, you deal and, and support with, with a, a country that according to them obviously they, they feel they've done wrong isn't that that fascinating? It, it is fascinating. you make a promise and, and people then feel well, you're not living up to that promise but this is where as a target Woolworths is too big to miss um, mm -hmm. and, and in the UK McDonald's has been the chosen one as it were that lots okay. of people have picked on it and challenged it and this is showing the difficulties of major brands how do they walk that line between the different challenges the different positions because for every position they take there'll be people who will disagree and somehow they've got to actually weave their way through this minefield of what it's like today because again you get onto Twitter instantly you can start a movement whether it's you or I or anyone you actually have now the ability uh, to actually tweet in public uh, and that can be very hurtful to a major brand unless it learns how to handle it. And we've certainly seen that. But we are talking about the future of, uh, of brands and I've got three guests. You've heard the voice of Jeremy Sampson who's the chairman of Interbrand Sampson de Villiers. We also have uh, Sibu Mangmele who's the executive director of Switch Design. And we have Andy Rice who's the chairman of Yellowwood. And Andy, we were talking about, about speed. Mm. Tell me about that. Well, it's, it's all about what is now called real-time marketing, mm. that you don't have the luxury of sitting back and watching events unfold, as Jeremy was alluding to now. If 
um, it used to be said that if you've got some kind of a crisis looming, then the, the best PR response is to say nothing at all and just mm. keep strong mm. below the barricades. Mm. Um, that's that's absolutely not the right thing to do any longer because, um, in, in the words of, of, of uh, the marketing director of, of Coke, um, the world will fill in the blanks for you. And that's not what you want. You want to be in control of the issue rather than responding to someone else. So, so no comment in general is, 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 is bad comment? Simply because you will, you will have an enormous number of people with a comment on the popular pl uh, social media platforms uh, responding for you, in effect. So this real-time marketing says, I cannot afford to wait. You know, a brand like Gatorade in the U.S., mm. the energy drink, they have a NASA-type uh, center. It looks like it came out of the space program where they have people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, throughout the year, monitoring anything that's said about them or similar terms on all of the social media platforms and they are ready to respond literally within seconds if their brand is mentioned if their category is mentioned if anything needs to be responded to because you, you cannot wait um, it will be twisted it'll be taken it'll be driven into areas you won't expect it to go unless you take control okay. of it so but, but real time about, marketing I mean, that, is the way to go and, and real time in terms of responding yeah. what about you know speed and, and, and real time in terms of you know, planning campaigns and, and, and replanning. So you have a long-term vision, but you almost must be open to, to changing things on a day-to-day -day basis. See, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you, you have to have both plans. I mean, there, there's no other way because the, the, the activity that happens in between uh, is too rapid for you to, to wait for the big plan to happen. Um, and at the same time, uh, as Andy was saying, there are brands that didn't exist uh, not a number of years ago. Uh, brands like, like WhatsApp, uh, like Google and so forth. Mm -hmm. If you sit and wait uh, for either technology to change or something else to change because your big plan is a 10-year plan, you will miss out on what is going to happen or what is happening in, in the space. So, so yes, whilst, whilst there's a big plan, you've, you then also have to eat this elephant in small teaspoons uh, or teaspoon lots so that you are, you are kept relevant. But, but when you're then dealing with clients, as, as you may be doing from switch designs, do you find that, that clients now understand that? That, you know, in the past, they've come to you and said, okay, we want to develop a campaign to be launched in six months' time now. Did they understand, forget about you, that actually we could change things within a few days? There are, there are clients that understand that. Uh, and it's mostly client that clients that understand that the media, uh, the media platforms have changed, especially with the introduction of the, uh, the electronic media, uh, and that people do, do respond quicker and, and obviously galvanize uh, support from mm -hmm. others as quickly as they do. Um, I, I think there is a big requirement for training for our marketers, for them to understand what is going on. Uh, that the briefs that they, they throw over the, the fence to us uh, are no longer the same uh, and that they need to be reacted to quicker than they... So when you say there's a requirement for training, that, that means at this point, in fact, they don't know. They don't know what's right. A, a lot don't. A okay. lot don't. That's interesting. Jeremy Simpson, do you agree with that? Well, I, I think the consumer goods companies on the whole have, have learned sometimes the hardware that, um, as we were saying, you've got to respond very quickly. I have to say, I think a, a lot of um, bigger industrial companies, and perhaps in the business-to-business, -business, I don't think they have necessarily learnt it. You know, you go back to some of the disasters the last few years. Look at BP. Um, look at how they messed up. Look at how Toyota, how they messed up originally. Um, and this is uh, just, I think, underlining the need for all these companies to have plans in place, to have contingency plans, to have risk management plans in place for the brands.
not just for financial matters, but for the brands mm, as well. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, do you want to add to that? I just think that it's quite a useful tool to be aware of the distinction all the time between tactics and strategy, because your strategy should, should be enduring in the long term, and it's the tactics that will be influenced by unexpected things happening and, a, and perhaps an unfamiliarity with, with the platforms. If you can just make sure you keep the, the tactics on track and the strategy looking in the long term, I think that's the way to tackle it. How, how did you buy loyalty? So, so in terms of people who are loyal to a brand, are they... Are are they more loyal? Because ultimately, talking consumers, are they, are they more loyal or, in fact, absolutely fickle? You know, well, even it doesn't pitch up, they've got a new date around the corner. It's e- even the consumers who, by conventional measures, are deemed to be the most loyal are usually also the most promiscuous because they are consuming so much of the category that they are consuming a lot of the leader or the one mm-hmm. they're loyal mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. but they're also experimenting across the, across the category. Do you want to add to that? Any of you guys? Yes, I, I, yeah. I, I, yes. I, I think I think among other things, it's also understanding that because the 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 media platforms have arou- have allowed us to to test and and uh, and even taste uh, products and, and and brand categories more often than we used to, it becomes easier for people to to want to go and try. Uh, you can go on the internet now and and look at all the specifications for a motor vehicle without driving it. Uh, and suddenly you go, wow, the brand that I used to mm-hmm. drive doesn't have X, Y, Z. Let me go and see whether this brand actually... So, so what, what then does, to, to borrow Andy's words, what, what does brand promiscuity mean for, for brand owners? I think it's, it's, it's making sure that from a brand perspective that your consumers understand where your brand stands and, and, how, and how it manifests its, its standing point because those are the things that will last forever. Uh, otherwise, all of the other things. But it's also understanding what are the things that become expected of a brand category. Uh, you can no longer sell a car by saying it's got air conditioning or power windows or, or, or power steering because it's expected that all cars have got. So if that's what well, your selling point was, uh, it means you don't have a selling point anymore. So, so what then do you sell? If you don't sell that and you don't sell price because somebody can undercut you anyway... What, what then do you sell? Well, if, if you look at Toyota, Toyota and, and yes, uh, you know, Jeremy was talking about how they responded. By the time they went in front of Congress to talk about what they mission and what they were trying to do, uh, uh, a lot of things had happened. But Toyota still goes about the fact that they make quality vehicles, that if you buy something from us, it'll last. And therefore, that's why you're seeing so many uh, cars being recalled. Uh, especially by Toyota because they're mm. trying to live up to that. But that point that you know, if they make quality vehicles and that's a selling point, that's what they expected to do, make quality vehicles anyway. Which gets back onto another thing and, and you know, in terms of the future of brands, Jeremy Sampson, you can talk about this. So, so who owns the brand? You know, you as the brand owner or, or, or your customer? I think it depends who you ask. Um, I come from the point of view that I think the, in the end the consumer owns the brand. Mm. Now you can say it's the marketing director, you can say it's the CEO of the company, but at the end of the day you or I, when we use a brand, uh, we have the choice. We can be promiscuous. There's so much choice out there we might say, oh I'm a bit bored with this, I'll try something else. So I think at the end of the day we vote with our feet. Um, you know, I think there was a headline in the papers the other day that Woolworths, sorry to mention them again, but is trying to move from baskets to trolleys. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and this is where I remember, I think it was uh, a certain Mr. Ackerman saying, I want my customers to think of a trolley for life with me. Um, that's what you call loyalty. But what we're getting into now is emotion. Uh, and this is where the emotional link, you know, mm. coming back to cars, you know, was it 10 years ago, you know, from 0 to 110 seconds type of thing? Well, now it's the emotion. Uh, sometimes we say, well, we like that. And someone will say, well, why do you like that? And you actually almost have to stand back from yourself and say, well,
well I like it because it suits me or it's good for my image or whatever but often you've got the functional and the emotional and you've got to combine the two at all times so, so we've been talking just to tell listeners off the air about the panels of, of a club called Manchester United and some people seated here who actually tend to support them but to, to, to draw on that you know and not just about the soccer aspect about the loyalty aspect right uh, is, is quite fascinating Andy Rice in terms of the point about who owns the brand because how do you get to that situation where you have such loyalty from so many people around the globe that no matter what they still have this emotional attachment to a, a club in this case to a brand hoping against hope that things will get better how do you apply the principle to, to, to you know, consumer brands well as a supporter of a club languishing at the bottom of the, uh, <laughs> of the English league um, I, I would argue that in fact there is right now a very substantial defection of support away from Manchester United because the reality is that support is often quite fickle it's quite it's quite based on Im immediate past results and brands must look at that as well brands that that uh, are only depend only able to uh, deliver value based on what they've achieved over the last six months are always on a stickier wicket than than a brand that, like Coca-Cola that has 120 something years of delivering uh, true value because that's what brands are about they're about delivering value and if Manchester United is no longer delivering value which is measured by most supporters in terms of results mm -hmm. and by a sense of, of uh, optimistic camaraderie and tribal belonging mm -hmm. all of those things that come with supporting a club if, the, if those are being diluted the value equation is being diluted and people will, will defect just as they would defect would you say from, from a marketing point and it's not the manager's problem from a marketing point you'd want them to, to engender that, that tribal loyalty isn't it? Absolutely that's okay. what but, but it can then go away and I'm, I'm looking at brands even like a brand like the EFF for example that didn't were non-existent a year and a half ago in fact and, and now suddenly people who were committed let's say to the ANC as a brand to say it doesn't matter what I will support them because what they've delivered to this country they're asking questions now uh, you know example not, not getting down the political route but just looking at that as examples of how people can move very very quickly Sibu yeah I think I think if you look at the EFF they, they've allowed uh, us to have a platform to think differently uh, not necessarily saying that they're in the on the right track but they've allowed us to ask questions uh, about things that people took for granted <clears throat> and in, in the bigger scheme of things when a brand is in that situation uh, the bigger brand has more work to do because you now have to reconvince your, your consumers that I'm still what, what I was supposed to be and what I, I've always told you I would be uh, and in this instance, the EFF have punched a couple of holes in, into that script. Um, the, 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 the issue is, can then the EFF deliver on what they then go and promise? Uh, which which we don't know until we don't know. until whenever. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, lessons mm -hmm. there, Jeremy? I think another lesson, uh, and as, as you said, I, I stress I'm not getting into politics, but the ANC is a brand that's 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. It really appears to some, and I stress to some, to have lost its way a little bit the last decade or so. And what the EFF is doing is accentuating the fact that it's lost its way. Um, and this is where the EFF is almost like a challenger brand. You know, we often see small brands coming up nipping at the tails of giants. Um, and you know the tails of giants can be dangerous places because if the giant turns around and swats you, they'll kill you. But on the other hand, at the moment, the ANC seems to be 
losing its way or has lost its way, but perhaps this will stir them up to refocus and re-establish themselves. But so in grounding terms, it's fascinating. But, but, but in t- and I'm going back to your, your interbrand Samsung rankings that you guys have. When we talk about challenger brands, and, and, and in the, the technological space, we've chatted about this often, you know, things like Apple and Samsung and BlackBerry, you know, ultimately, is, is the brand value all about the product? and they live and fall by the product, live and die by the product, or is it about great marketing in spite of what happens with the product? Well, the challenger brands that have come up, the technology brands like the Googles, the Amazons, and people like that, were challenging, but they had something new. They're embracing new technology. So this is where they were sort of saying, look, things have moved on. You know, we're supplying something. We're doing something that the other brands haven't done. Even someone like IBM, I was reading in a Fortune magazine, has just locked, lost a major, major contract to Amazon. Now, that would have been unthinkable 10, 15 years ago, but that's what's happening. So the lesson still is stay relevant, Embrace new technology, but be authentic. Keep your DNA, but keep on evolving. Otherwise, someone will come along, they'll realize that you're in a weak place, and they'll challenge you. And if you don't respond, that could kill the brand. I'm talking about evolving SABC3, evolving with Chet Aisha Mohammed pretty shortly. In fact, we've got about a minute or so to go, so, so let's get, get all three of you guys to wrap up. Any advice, one, one final comment or point that you, you, you really want to bring up? Well, I'm interested in that brands, as uh, uh, political brands discussion, because I think what's happened there is that if you go back um, 30 or 40 years, then... So so am I, by the way, but anyway. Political brands used to be a statement of belief. I believe in this. I wonder who will follow me. Now they've taken the marketing route by saying, what do people want me to believe in? They're Mm -hmm. looking for a market share. And it's undermined all of the authenticity of political brands. For me, it's made them into into tactical, uh, uh, maneuvering uh, uh, spaces rather than... They're less authentic, but, but are they getting what they want, which is bigger market share. Only if they deliver, as Sabu said earlier. Which we wish we'll yeah. certainly see. Sabu, your, your final thoughts? Yeah, for me, it, it, it's uh, marketers need to understand that uh, platforms that they use to market their brands are platforms. Uh, it doesn't change who, who their brands are. Yeah, good point. Jeremy? I think today everything is brandable people, countries, absolutely everything. You know, this wouldn't have been the case a few years ago. But also, you've got to deliver. Otherwise, you get found out very fast. Okay, and that's the way to leave it to deliver or get found out very fast. Thanks, guys. I'll appreciate your time. That's uh, Jeremy Sampson from Interbrand Sampson's Affiliates. And uh, before that, Sibu Mangmele, the Executive Director of Switch Design. And Andy Rice, the Chairman of Yellow, would appreciate your input as well. And uh, you can, even if you're in a continued discussion further, drop me an email. In fact, someone say, talk about the political brand some other time more, in more detail. I think that's a good one. And the other one about, about cars, and I've suggested we should do this about what does the car say about branding and personality we'll talk about that maybe some other time too anytime you wish to engage with me off the air then just drop me an email to ashraf at safm.co.za right so what about SABC3 they've rebranded program changes but also the there's a lot that's changed in terms of the imaging of the of the channel we'll chat about that with Aisha Mohammed right after this